Let us bow our heads in prayer. Where you are, just pray that God will speak to you. And pray for Pastor Nyam also. Then later on, I will pray. Let us pray together. Lord, we thank you for gifting us with the gift of mind. And you want us, Father, our mind to be refreshed, renewed by you. And today, Father, we pray that our mind will be alert to hear from you. I pray your anointing upon Pastor Nyam here, that God, you will fill him with your spirit, with your anointing, as he look into your word and also look at what the miracles, the marvel of our mind, and then how, Lord, we can be refreshed and renewed to know the truth from, our, from you. Fill him with your spirit, empower him, let him able to share your word clearly, and that, God, we will also be alert to response and be obedient to your prompting of the spirit. We thank you. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, good afternoon. I was told that the 1115 service is the most energetic, the most alive, the most happening group. Is it true? Yes. Kind of, right? Yes. <laughs> Still thinking about it. I feel a bit at home here. I have two children. Uh, Ethan is 25. Ethan is 25. Uh, he works in Boys Town. He's also doing his degree in counselling. I said, how come? Uh? Because never ever before he said, I would do counselling. He would want to do anything else but counselling. But now, somehow he's in counselling. Uh, Alethea is uh, 21 this year. And she said, you know what? For the first time ever, I can go and do whatever I want. I said, like what? <laughs> they are so different, two of them. It's like day and night. Right? Uh, some of you, parents here, you know. When you look at children, they're not the same, you know. You think that all of them should be the same kind of cookie, right? Not true, you know. Right? The way they talk, the way they do things are so different. So I, I bring greetings to you also from Covenant Evangelical Free Church. Uh, but the topic today is about mental health. You started last week, right? We say, hello. Last week we had psychiatrists, right? This time, we're hearing from a psychologist. Are you all ting-tong or not? People will think about that because you know what? They say, talk to a psychologist. They say, hey, hello, don't read my mind. Huh? I think sometimes you have that, that, that kind of perception. But what's the difference between a psychiatrist and a psychologist? Right? Good to know. Uh, since we're talking about mental health, now, a psychiatrist is essentially a medical doctor. Right? Whereas a psychologist is an allied health practitioner. Involved in uh, health, but uh, non-medically. So doctors, they qualify through you know, the, 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 the medicine tracks. But psychologists, uh, they do their postgraduate studies and they end up either with a master's or PhD. And they practice, right? In different uh, areas. Now, when you talk about medicine, you talk about specialization. Specialization not just in psychiatry, but oncology, dealing with cancer, right? Uh, dealing with internal medicine, has to do with uh, diseases that affect an adult. Pediatrics, diseases that affect children. But what about psychologists? What do you find psychologists working in schools? Ministry of Education. They do IQ testing. They do all kinds of testing. They do interventions to help 
students in school were struggling. Why? Sometimes we thought, oh, you're struggling because you're very lazy. Right? You're not interested, right? That's what parents always tell the children. But actually, now we find out that students are not lazy. Sometimes they do have real problems. You have a dyslexia. They read and then it comes out very different. Now you struggle year after year. Right? And then on top of that, you worry about examinations, right? So exam stress. How do you cope? How do you do this? Because you go to school, it's like, whoa, everybody is doing their own thing. Right? You talk to them, they say, no, 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 you're going to take care of yourself. You go home, all parents talk about is, it went to exam. Ah. Go home, work or not. It's on and on and on and on. But you also find psychologists in other sectors, some doing research. Research in, uh, let's say, sometimes in, uh, in, uh, in medical labs. Right? Impact of medication on people in their behavior. Right? You also find psychologists working in the industrial area, corporate psychology, work-life balance, uh, stresses in the workplace. Today, people say we are busier and busier and busier. Last week, busier. This week, worse. It's like every week is going to be worse and worse. So before you know it, you've got no time to think about their own lives. And those who are working, some of you are already working, you say, wow, I think I better go back to school. School seems so easier, right? But some of you think, I don't want to work anymore, I just want to get married. And I tell you today, compared to last time, people get married how old? 28, 29, right? A little bit more settled in your career. And then now you think is, I just started working. I've got enough money already. Right? Enough money to buy, uh, to, to put deposit for HDB. So people are getting married as early as 24, 25. They've been dating for two, three years. And they say, yes, I'm ready to get married. So, ta-na-na-na, they go, you know, very happy. Corporate psychology. People in the workplace, people who are dealing with life changes. And in the, in, in the marketplace, you find all kinds of challenges. Working in a new company, suddenly you go in, nobody has time to talk to you. For some, suddenly you find that after working for a while, ping notice. Sorry, we don't need you anymore. We are downsizing. Right? Why? Because regional HQ, corporate HQ in, in the US, somewhere else say, uh, we need to kind of uh, downsize. We don't have enough budget for next year. Suddenly, no more job. And I work with some of those who are in HR. You know HR? Human resource, right? And they are the ones who are planning, okay, this one will go, that one will go. And when HR are involved, they say, oh, me also involved. Deal with different kinds of challenges. What do you do? How do you go home and tell your family, sorry, no more job already? And then your children, they go to school, right? End of year coming, you know, October, November. After exams, next year, how to buy school books? Corporate psychology. Military, going for a national service. Right? I've, got, I've seen people, uh, young boys, after, or even before they finish with their poly and, and, or with their A-levels, they say, I cannot go for NS. They say, why? Because of stress. I think about NS, I stress already. <laughs> so I don't want to go NS, right? Why? Because I don't want to take, I don't hack it. Because it's tough. I hear from my friends, wow, very tough. Eh? Then later I talk to them, oh, yeah, NS very, very easy. You know my son, NS? He went to the Air Force. Was he hang uh, Air Force relax, you know? Then guess what? He was posted to this uh, unit, and you know what? They deal with uh, missiles. Wow, is it not press button? No, he said, wow, pull cable, you know? Wow, and then before they go canteen, got to do 10, 10, 10 push up first. Then run to the canteen. Ain't gonna do chin up. Now eat it and I want half an hour to run back again. Push up, chin up, push up, chin up, you know, run, run, run. No, who NS no? 
Or Air Force, I say, wow, charm also. Military psychologists. Right? They help <laughs> fellows who are in the National Service, in Armed Forces, to kind of not just keep fit uh, physically, but also mentally. How to cope, how to deal with our challenges. And I was in the Navy. I served there. And uh, many of my friends in the Navy, they struggle. I struggle too. Seasick. Why well, you seasick? You join Navy some more. So no choice. I never think, you see. When you're young, you just join, right? Anything also can, right? Ah, but seasickness, that, I had a hard time. Clinical psychologists, they deal with uh, clinical problems, emotional problems, mental health problems, like not just depression, anxiety. What about panic disorder? Suddenly you get this, a fighting attack, like your heart will stop. Right? And then you are just palpitating and you don't know what to do. You are hyperventilating. You feel like you're just drowning. OCD, obsessive compulsive disorders. There was one, one lady I worked with. She had this compulsion that one time she was staying in Jurong. And then they had some kind of uh, construction outside her, her flat. And the next thing she knew was her home was infested with, uh, with uh, worms. No idea where the worms come from, no? The bedroom, you know, her kitchen sink and all that. Until she said when she looked out and then the, you know, MRT trains, they're sneaking around, well, she get a panic attack. She looked like worms. And you deal with people who have got schizophrenia, hearing voices, right? clinical psychology. What about those who are in forensic psychology? You have, you have seen shows like CSI, Right? Well, they go home and investigate this and that and all that. Look for all kinds of evidence that no one can see except then one hour they solve all the problems. <laughs> Forensic psychologists, right? Some of them are in the police, right? Criminology. Why do people do certain things? Why do these people, they go to the shopping centre, they will shoplift? Why do they go up the escalator, they will, they will take a camera and then they kind of take pictures of people that they shouldn't? Right? Stuff like that. Or some, they work in prison. How do you help people recover when they have followed this life of uh, crime and then they want to turn around? How do you turn around? How do you rehabilitate people like that? So different, different fields, right? So at the end of it, what am I talking about here? Well, psychiatrists and psychologists, you find that we are same but different. Right? Maybe part of it is also has to do with our own mental status. Sometimes we also blur, blur, don't know what we're talking about. Right? And then sometimes it's like, wow, we speak. And then people say, wow, how come you know? Like, as if only you know. So as a psychologist, there's a lot of things that I do, but it involves assessment, IQ testing, because you want to find out what is the baseline. When someone has got difficulties doing something, uh, whether coping at work, uh, or they're thinking of a transfer overseas in a regional area, is this person suitable or not? Is this person going to be a good job fit or not? Or someone who is having problems in school, not just primary school, sometimes you get problems even when you go into tertiary education. Whether poly or university, you struggle because it's just so different. Environment is different, right? Very previously, you had maybe more time for other things. Suddenly, you're in an environment where you have to do work, you have to perform, you have to deliver. What if you can't deliver? What if half the time they're struggling, don't know what's going on? What if half the time you feel like you are the only one who's like that? The whole class is doing well except you. What if? What if someone sitting next to you say, hello, I also same like you, like same boat, like, can you help me? What if? Focus today is on depression. 
Depression is not just an interesting, but a very critical, important area. In by year 2020, the World Health Organization says that depression will be the, either the first or the second highest and the most challenging mental health problem. Depression. Um, all of us are no stranger to, to depression. Right? A study showed in Singapore, talking about awareness, 53% of Singaporeans know, are aware of what depression is. And some of us, we know because you know why? We cannot before. We have been there before, right? Maybe not for a long, long time, but for some of us, we've been there. We know. And some of us, we have friends like that who are struggling, who are still struggling with depression. What do you do? So as I talk to you about depression, I'm sure there are some names that will come to mind. Yeah, this person, uh, is he or uh, is he not? Uh, how's he doing? Uh? What if he's sitting next to me? What do I say? You know? What if God puts me in front of this person in the MRT? You know, what do I do? Besides praying, right? Is there something else I can do? You know? Talking about depression in church is a, huh? Church got depression, man? Are you sure or not? Hey, hello. We are all called, right, by God, right? We have salvation in Jesus Christ. Right? We are all growing towards our five M's. There's nobody who's depressed here. Are you sure or not? Maybe other churches, right? Not in TPH. Come on. We talk about depression in church because, I tell you why, eh? one has to do with our own thinking about depression. Right? Compared to other illnesses like diabetes, you get a flu, say, oh, you got flu, ah? hey, you better go home and rest. You know? Go see a doctor. Right? Your diabetes, okay, how's your medication? Huh? Right? You, okay? you hear all kinds of illnesses, chronic illnesses, uh, that the acceptance is more, re- more readily. How are you doing? Uh, which doctor do you go to? Uh, what are you doing now? Are you still working? You take time out or not? You know, do you need time to rest? But you talk about depression, oh, something wrong with you. Oh, how come you got depression? You have sin in your life. On and on and on, right? So after a while, we don't really want to talk about depression. After a while, we realize that depression is only for the counselors. Let them talk about it, right? Don't talk about depression because what do you do? What do you do when someone tells you, I'm depressed? Oh, I'm sorry, i also depressed. <laughs> when I listen to you, i also depressed, right? You know what? Depression is somewhat in- infectious, you know, contagious, you know. All you need is just look at this person, his blank look, his gloomy face, huh? You look at your own life, your future all gone. You know. <laughs> so the, the idea is, no eye contact. Don't look at them. <laughs> Sit far, far away, right? Maybe something like that. There are people who are depressed in church too. One in 16 Singaporeans at a lifetime have got depression. But not only that, I tell you what's relevant for you. Uh, of those who are depressed generally, uh, those who are your age group, 18 to 29, it's the most vulnerable group. 18 to 29. Most vulnerable. Some of you think, ah, yeah, we should be okay, right? Right? Everything is hunky-dory, right? What do you worry about? What is that you worry about? You just go to school, just study. After you hang out with your friends, right? Go makan, go home, 12 midnight, 1, one to uh, a.m. in the morning. What's the big deal, right? Not? And morning, you, you wake up what time? 11, 12 noon. That's what I hear. You know, for a time I was teaching in MBIS. 
I tell you, some of my classes, 12.30 classes, my students still come late, you know. They say, sorry, Mr. Yam, sorry, Mr. Yam. I say, why, what happened? I can't wake up there. 12.30 p.m. class cannot wake up. But that's a life. That's a life many young adults have, you know. Why? What do you do? Busy, leh. What do you do? Dota, <laughs> Very busy. I tell you, I see that at home. My son also busy. 25 years old, still Dota. But you know what? Hey, daddy, you don't understand me. Dota is important. <laughs> My daughter also said, I thought daughters are different, right? But she said, she can play better than her brother. Wow, I said, what level are you? Uh? She said, I'm very good. I even help him to win, you know, stuff like that. So there is a life. So you wonder, young adults, why would there be a problem with depression? Shouldn't be, right? Doesn't make sense, right? You know, those who should be uh, depressed should be the uncles and aunties, you know. After they retire, what do they do? They go gardening. They go market and kopitiam. Right? What else do they do? Play with the grandchildren. What is there for them to look for? So you think all these uncles, uncles and aunties, they are the ones who will be depressed. Sorry. 18 to 29 years old. The most vulnerable group in Singapore. Right? All kinds of reasons why, right? You are in this group, you know. Sometimes life is not so straightforward. Supposed to be very easy, right? And then how come like that one, people don't understand you, you know? They say that you're fickle-minded, right? They say that you are mediocre. You want to have fun. You want to work. Wow, that helps you tahan, man. Right? Then after a while, you get scolded for nothing. Right? And then before you want to do something, say, ah, you sure cannot finish one. Because no per- 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 uh, perseverance power. On and on and on, right? And of course, relationships. You get into relationships. If I'm talking young adults getting married as young as 24 and 25, how, how early do you think they started courtship? Some start as early as poly days, you know, A-levels. Oh, yeah. Some of you probably, right? Well, are these three, four years or a long endurance race, you know? Still together and all that. Still talking about, oh, next time we get married and all that. And then what happens? Relationship failure. Can fail, man. Everything should be okay, right? What's the problem? We talk the same, laugh the same. Jokes are the same jokes. But you know what? When relationships fail, it's very, very hard to deal with it. And I think for young people, not necessarily just young people, older adults too, to be rejected in a relationship is difficult. Then you start to ask, what's wrong with me? How come you don't like me? How come the other person you like? I look at a person, same, same one. Maybe, maybe not as good, right? You think about it, right? How can they be better, you know? You look at them. Don't even look right. Right? Even talk also can't talk properly. Oh man, how can it happen? So you go to this, this whole spiraling uh, experience where depression is part of it. But importantly, I tell you, um, I, I sense all of us are believers, right? Right not? I think we all say, okay, Jesus, you saved me. You save me, you redeem me for a purpose. You redeem me for a purpose so that I can look at your will, your purpose in my life and I can see that, whoa, because of you in my life, I can amount to somebody, I can be someone, I can be able to do something. So when Pastor Chiming was talking to me, was making announcements, I thought, wow, the opportunities you have, you know. So if I were you, Tuition teacher in uh, Turban Garden. I think some of you, yeah, I better sign up there. 
Because you know what? What an opportunity to make a difference in somebody's life. Right? Some of you can sign up, right? True or not? Yeah? I look at some of you like blank faces or no. <laughs> but you want to sign up because you know what? As a church, this is what we want to do. We bring that difference, the hope, the peace, the meaning in life to these families. With the children, and when the parents see what you do, they say, whoa, how come you have got time for that? So busy already, you've got to find time to teach my children. That may be the only opportunity they have to see the gospel in action. Christmas, volunteer. If I were you, I'd also sign up. Why, well, if you want to sign up, uh, PPH, huh? <laughs> uh, you want to sign up because, you know what? It's a great time, you know. Great time to bring the gospel to people. And you know what? You do it together. Not just by yourself. Together, you know, not just a care group. Everybody else. You drag them along with you. Right? Nobody gets left behind. Everybody goes with you. Mentoring. 20-something, you get to be mentored. Where to find? If I were you, I will. Signed up. <laughs> I was signed up because God is not put somebody to walk with me. I tell you, two years is nothing you know, to invest in someone's life. Nothing, you know. Two years to see God transforming somebody else's life. Somebody who is with you. Where to find, you tell me. Only in PPH lah. Hey, the way I talk, uh, I, I, I think I better sign up for PPH or so. Uh. And some of you are mentors, right? Some of you think, I may not be the one, you know. But you know what? God uses your stories. Your stories, not because you're successful, but because, you know what? You say, God, I walk with you. And because I walk with you, I have a story to tell to this young person. We want to hear life stories. Lah. We want to hear and see someone who is authentic. We don't like fake stories. We don't want. We want to walk with an uncle, auntie who struggled with their life. We want that. Where do you find? PPH. What do you do next? Signed up. <laughs> but anyways, back to depression. Huh? Back to depression. After a while, don't feel so depressed, right? Oh, man. Now, when you talk about depression, now you, depression doesn't come across as a D word. D. But it comes across in certain language, certain uh, conversations. How are you? I'm okay. I'm fine. Right? Sometimes we do have people who will outwardly tell you, I'm depressed. Right? So how do you know? What do you do next? Right? But a lot of times, you don't get to hear that. A lot of times. You know, for a while, my son was depressed. I said, look at him. you depressed, man. But every time, Dota, Dota, computer, computer, right? But I also didn't realize that until I saw. Then he talk, started to talk about his life. He said, I don't know where I'm going you know, with my life. I don't know, you know. 25 years old, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know. How do you feel when you are directionless, you know? You feel that like you're caught in this spiraling pool that only brings you one level and the next level down and downer and downer. What do you do? It's hard to understand someone who's going through those moments. I don't know where I'm going in life. I don't even know when I talk about some of these things, anybody will bother. Will anybody say, uh, oh, depressed, uh, okay, let's sit down and talk. Most of us, depressed, uh, good for you, Lord. I mean, it just comes out as if we don't mean it. 
Right? I say, uh, okay, I'll grow up. Lah. Okay, step out of it. Lah. Right? Okay, then move on. Move on. <laughs> just move on. You know? Somebody with diabetes, say, hey, just move on. <laughs> you don't say that, right? You know this, uh, this, this lady called uh, Evangeline Kong, media corp artist. When she was in her 20s, just started her acting career. She was recounting a time when she felt really, really uh, like this. Ugly, stupid, I'm nobody, you know. And then there was a time when she lost her first relationship. You know, relations, they don't always happen, you know. We always wish that sometimes they just go on. And some relationship, you want them to stop yesterday. But she was in this relationship, of course, it was very, very important for her. It just ended. Just ended. And on top of it, she found out that her mother was struggling with cervical cancer. Wow, so many things to deal with. You know? So before she knew it, she was just swimming and drowning. Right? For the next, what? Few months, just stay at home. Just stay at home, lie down, look at the ceiling, nothing much to do, don't feel energy, went to sleep again. Few months. Just didn't want to leave the home. Didn't want to bathe. Didn't want to... You know, nothing, you know, just right now, don't care, you know, just don't care. Just in pajamas, stay in the out. Stay in pajamas, don't care. But that's how it is, you know, when you're in de- uh, depression, you don't care. You're not interested how people think. Because when you think about people, what will they say? They will leave you alone. They will say, something wrong with you. No point talking to people. How are you doing? I'm fine, I'm okay. I am okay. Leave me alone. I am okay. Leave me alone. I'm fine. I'm feeling I'm nothing to everyone. F-I-N-E. So if this is how I feel, I don't care about you. In fact, I don't think you're interested. In fact, I think you're just faking it, right? You're just being nice to me, right? And guess what? People in the Bible also get depressed. People are like Elijah. These are like, whoa, giants of faith, you know. They have seen how God worked in their lives. Elijah. 1 Kings 18 and 19. Amazing stories. Tells us about how God used Elijah to go into Israel because Israel was turning away into apostasy. They were worshipping Baal. Foreign gods. God said, cannot. But you know what? The eyes, the hearts were turned towards Baal because of King Ahab and Queen, what's her name? Queen Jezebel. So there you have it, you know. And God says, you know what, Elijah? I want you to challenge these fellows. So Elijah said, okay, 450 of you prophets, champion, right? All of you, let's meet. We'll have a showdown. Right? We'll prove whose God is the most powerful. And the God who's the most powerful will be the God of Israel. Yes, on. Showdown happens. And all the Baal prophets, pray, 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 cut themselves, you know, nothing happened. And of course, Elijah, right? Elijah being Elijah, right? Right? Different, right? So he said, you know what? I will not just pray. I will ask to put the sacrifice there. And you know what? I will dig a trench around. Well, not enough some more. I will put water into a trench. 12, 12 barrels of 
water until the sacrifice is completely, fully, 100% drenched. Well, how to burn like that? So not Elijah, lah, huh? Elijah, right? So he prayed. Boom! Then God actually did his work. Fire came down. Sacrifice burned. Water burned. Platform burned. Everything burned, burned, burned. No? Everything chowta, no? Wow, are you impressed or not? So the prophet Zabir said, wow, let us so can. The first next thing, Elijah says, sorry. And when Queen, Queen, Jezebel heard about it, haha, <laughs> she was angry. You killed my favorite champion prophets. And because of this, I will kill you. Wow, chapter 18 and 19, uh, what scenery change, you know, from light now to darkness, you know. Now, friend Elijah, what did he see? He saw, he saw the situation and he said, no, 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 this is not good. I better chow first. <laughs> this is not good. I better chow. He saw with his human eyes. You see, when we look at the situation in our eyes, we only see gloom and doom. We see problems. We see something that we just cannot explicate ourselves. Cannot, cannot retreat. No way. It's just dead end street, you know. Sure die. So that was what Elijah saw in his life. This is it, God. No more really. Finish the show now, over and now, it's my turn. I will die. So after he saw, what did he do? He ran. Literally ran. Ran. He ran, ran, ran. Wow, you can imagine how fast he runs. Because chapter 18 talks about how he ran after the miracle, right? He ran in front of King Ahab's chariots, you know. Whoa, can you run in front of chariots? He ran ahead of the chariots. I don't know how long, easily it was 40, 40 kilometers. Ran ahead, you know. How can you do that? But now he's running away, not with chariots, he's running away from Queen Jezebel. I keep forgetting her name. Huh? Queen Jezebel, yeah, yeah, it helps, it helps. These are my prompters here. <laughs> so you help me with the words, huh? Queen Jezebel. So he knows that Queen Jezebel will come and get him. He ran. You know how far he ran, huh? He ran all the way south of, you know, not, not just Jerusalem, but all the way down to south of Judah. To this place called Bathsheba. Bathsheba is almost like the end point. After that, no more already. It's the end of civilization. It's like you go there, nobody goes beyond the way because beyond that is wilderness, desert land. Who goes there? Nobody. And he went there. After that, he sent his servant home and then he went Beyond Bathsheba, he just want to get out. Queen, Jezebel is just too much, right? Can you imagine how fear grips us? We just can't think anymore. From fear, we look at ourselves, we see ourselves as failures. I am a failure. I'm incompetent. I'm useless. I'm a bum. Surely God has departed from me. Fear, failure, fatigue. You run and run and run, tired, right, after a while. So the more tired you are, the more you think about how depressive, how difficult your situation is. That's what fatigue does to us. We can't think, right? And our thinking becomes very, very distorted, one-sided. We can only see one side. This is it. This is the end. No more chance already. Sure, die. You know, we see the vocabulary is very small. No? 
that's it, sure die, you know, end of the world and all that, right? You find that your vocabulary is just confined to one area. Happens to people like Elijah. There's a way to look at depression too. Is this working? Working, huh? Okay. Now, depression can also be seen in two basic uh, frameworks. One is something that is called endogenous, biological. Something that happens in the body that results in a depressive experience. So, can't explain how come, you know, just like that overnight, huh? I'll just stay in the room, wear dark clothes, you know, just super, super emo and all that. Just suddenly overnight. Endogenous explanations would be one, right? What are some of these explanations? Could be something like major depression. Or some people say clinical depression. Where the symptoms of depression become so severe that the person finds difficulties to cope every day. So can't wake up in the morning. Not because I don't want to go to school, but just cannot. Just cannot somehow the, the, the pain, the agony in there just prevents you from doing anything else. What about postpartum depression? Suddenly happens, right? It's not your cravings. Suddenly feel very gloomy. And suddenly, will I be a good mother or not? Will my children be born with uh will, will, will my children be born normal or not? Things that you don't normally think about. That can also happen during pregnancy, not just after pregnancy. So last week, I was talking to a couple. This couple have got two children already. The oldest is only about three, four years old. So he's having his third, third children. Huh? And uh, third, uh, third children, third child. And uh, guess what? Screening shows that the child is abnormal. Our children say, well, how come like that? Right? Mom say, God, why do you give me a child like this? Someone who has got abnormalities. So decision, abort. Cannot have a child like this. Right? And along with it, of course, the guilt. How can I do that? You know, stuff like that. And became very, very depressed. Endogenous. Not very logical. Suddenly you find, hey, hello, you've been a Christian for a long time, right? Right? Surely God has shown you a lot of things in terms of His faithfulness. Right? You go to church, you sing and all that, right? God is faithful, God is loving. Bipolar disorders, very interesting. Where a person would swing from one extreme to the next extreme, right? From one that's totally depressed, end of the world, to the other part, elation. Anything also can. So overnight, they will overspend, uh, you know, will just burst their credit card uh, limits. There was this uh, lady I met in the, I met, I mean, in terms of uh, our work. And you know what she told me? <laughs> Mr. Yang, uh, the first thing she asked is, Mr. Yang, do you know how many credit cards are, are there in Singapore? Do you, do you know? How many credit cards are there in Singapore? Apparently about 25 or more, you know. And she told me, Mr. Yang, I got all. Why? <laughs> what do you need all the credit cards for, you know? Last time, when they issued credit cards, it wasn't so stringent. Now they want to check your credit and all that, right? Last time you want, they just issued to you, right? She said, Mr. Yang, you come to my room and you see my whole room uh, full of DVDs. Well, what do you do with the DVDs? I just keep them. So she had this huge library collection of DVDs, you know. So she had a uh, huge... Uh, I don't know what you call that. All just stack up all the DVDs. And she said, you know what? I also go to Tiffany's. Tiffany's. You know what Tiffany's do, right? They're not at a kopitiam store, you know. 
You walk in, uh, it's really expensive, you know. You buy expensive, expensive jewelry, right? Some of us, we go there once a lifetime. After we come out, then we spend a whole life just paying, right? But she says, I go every month, you know. Wow, every month. <laughs> you know what, Mister? I'm in this situation where, wow, I feel so excited, just buy, 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 you know. Then after that, I feel, after that, oh, you welcome like that. Come on, I'm so irresponsible. Then depression. Psychotic depression. Sounds a little bit like people who have got uh, thinking problems, right? Uh, so people who have psychotic depression are the ones who have depression that also brings along uh, thinking errors. Illusions, for example. Illusions like certain beliefs that I can or I cannot. This belief system is, is just part of our lives. You know what? With this belief system, it also governs our assumption, right? So for example, if my belief system is nobody really likes me. If that's part of my belief system, then my delusion could be every time I look around you, you don't like me, right? I look at your face, I know already. Right? I look at you, you got something about me, right? Delusions. And of course, with it, a certain uh, distorted thinking pattern. So you find different kinds of uh, depression that could be based on one endogenous, biological, or one non-endogenous, which is more uh, related to some life, life, uh, life events in them that happen to them. Right? Uh, life events such as uh, suddenly a loss of a job. Right? Or has to do with this incident I told you this couple, expecting a baby that we birth normally, now finds out that this baby has abnormalities. Oh, I cannot tahan really, you know? So that's one way to look at depression. Now, another way to look at depression would be, are there some things that you can look out for? Because after everything has been said, right, seems to be very, very hairy-fairy. Can, cannot, also can. Cannot, also can, right? So it sounds very confusing, very abstract. But when you think about depression, two ways. One, something that is this sense of uh, loneliness. That you're all by yourself. Nobody understands what's going on in your life. You don't understand what's going on in your life. All you know is this sense of despondency, despair, that it will get from bad to worse and worse to worst. Every time you get a break, don't worry. The next big, bad break is going to come already. Something that's pervasive, something that brings along loneliness, despair, low self-esteem. I deserve it. Why? Because something wrong with my life. I deserve it. Maybe it's something that I've done in my life. What about the other area? Something that has to do with a depressive feeling that is somewhat pervasive. Not specific to one area. Could be this area of your life, could be how you see yourself, could be uh, the way you look, and suddenly you look at yourself, oh, how come one eye big, one eye small? Happy already. Right? Then you look at uh, your children, how many children are so lazy, so irresponsible? You look at your family, you look at your colleagues, you look at other people in the care group in the church. How come they are so distant? Don't they care about me? This sense of perceived, per, per, pervasive uh, perception of people. And of course, this results in more depression. Right? Nobody cares. On and on and on. Now, some ways to look at this could be, you can break it down into segments like this. Right? So if you're thinking now, how can I assess someone who is depressive or not? So now I know some of you thinking, you look at this guy sitting next to me. I'm going to check it out. This guy, is he okay or not? Right? That could be one way. One, you look at physical. 
right? How is he physically? Does he look pathetic? Does he look like he is going to drop because he has a low energy? Uh, he wants his weight, right? Suddenly, you, you, you probably have seen over a period of time, some people, they just stop eating. Or some, they start eating more and more. Don't know when to stop, right? So it could be increased or could be decreased. Tiredness. All they talk about, I'm tired. I'm tired. We just woke up. I'm tired. We just ate. I'm tired. Every day, tired, tired, tired. You know? And then how do they think? They can't concentrate. You want to discuss, hey, how are you doing? Uh, talk, talk, talk. And then it's like, wow, it takes so long to think about, uh, uh, I'm fine. Okay, you're fine. Uh, but I see that somehow you're not very happy, right? Uh, I, 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 wow. You look at your watch. I, I, I'm fine, you know, right? And some of you wonder, how do you talk to someone like this, really? How do you talk to someone who is depressed? And you are asking yourself, you know, hey, I just spent five minutes already, huh? And still, I'm fine, I'm fine. Uh, they do have difficulties concentrating. They have difficulties holding a conversation. So it helps when you understand the conditions that, that, that they're in. They're not trying to be funny with you. They're actually trying to pay attention. But you know what? It's hard too. When the neurochemicals in the brain are not doing very well. Morbid thoughts. Morbid thoughts like, life is not worth living. Why do I even bother? Every day is so hard. I might as well end it all. I don't mind going. Maybe it's time for me to leave. You know that kind of thinking? To you, you think about it, but I tell you, all of us, here and there, sometimes we have fleeting thoughts. But it's like, I forget it. Why, why work so hard? Why struggle so much when uh, something so painful is just long drawn, you know? You try to help with someone, right? And then after one, two weeks, it's tiring. One, two months, very tiring. One, two years, super tiring. Nobody wants to continue because it's so draining. How do you help someone like that? What if you are someone like that? You know, I got this friend in, uh, in, in my group. Once he opens his mouth, I thought, oh, you know what? Oh, you know, you know, we're going down here. Oh, you know what? Uh, my, you know, oh, you know. <laughs> After a while, you feel like you're sinking in with him. Talking with someone who is depressed for a long time can also not just be draining, demoralizing, right? After a while, you feel like, yeah, it's bad, really bad. <laughs> you start to talk like him, think like him. Uh, emotionally, sense of sadness. Obviously, no joy. No, no sense of um, uh, happiness. Just feeling that life is all so sad. So sad. Everything is, oh, let's celebrate. Oh, so sad, you know. Uh, emptiness, what is that to look for? When life is just empty. There is nothing in there. What do you live for? What do you live for? Nothing. Who are you? Nothing. Guilt. I've done something wrong in my life. What is punishing me? Why me? Why me? I deserve it. I see the thinking uh, somehow, right? Just revolves and spirals around and uh, it's like, a, what do you call it? Circular argument, right? I'm depressed. Why? I deserve it. I deserve it. That's why I'm depressed. I'm depressed before I deserve it. You go around and around and around. So when you are in those cycles, 
that's it, you're stuck until something happens. But that was how Elijah was. He saw. When he saw Queen Jezebel, uh, what she said she would do, and he ran. From then onwards, his life was just going on and on on the same level. So physical, cognitive, emotional. But other areas would be like social, right? This is probably a little bit more something you don't realize it. You, people that you hang out with and suddenly say, no, no, so tired, no, I got things to do, no, I got no time, no, no, no. Uh, those are good indicators. If you watch this person over a period of time. Now the idea about looking at these signs and symptoms has to do with something that's observable. Something that you notice that over a period of time there's been changes. Right? So you collect all these items and you put them together. Yeah, something is not happening. Not just social, but also medical. Sometimes something has happened. Right? Because depression is also related to uh, medical illnesses. Where that brings about uh, the body's ability to function. Suddenly you find that you're not as uh, active. You can't do a lot of things. That also brings in depression. How come I'm like that? Why me at this stage of life? Why me? I'm looking forward to this and that, and this is not going to happen. Spiritual? You, if you look at uh, Psalm 42 and 43, right? Oh, my soul, why so downcast? Where are you, God? The fact that, uh, that Elijah was on this journey, and God intervened at one time, and God asked, where are you? Of course, knows, God knows where Elijah is. Elijah didn't know where he was. He was just running away. Running away. So feelings of persecution, dissatisfaction, being overwhelmed. Just too much. A little bit is way too much. When you have too much, you are just pushed to the corner. And when you feel you are pushed to the corner, you feel like you are being pushed over the edge. There's nowhere else to go except stepping off the edge. Only you watch this, in a way, it puts a picture, a story behind what I've been talking about. Symptoms. And look, when you look at this, I hope you can pick some of these up. When I look at this, I hope you say, okay, what do I do in a situation like this? Right? Besides just trying to identify some of the, the signs that, uh, that we see here. Okay, let's play this, huh? depression. Huh? So late. You think I want to? Were you working late again? Why? What's wrong? Nothing. Ming, what's wrong? Nothing! Ming, what's wrong? What's my job? What's retrenched? Retrenched? 
What happened? Is the company closing? It's the only one. Why? How are you going to cope? I think I wanted to wait. How was the interview? Didn't go. Didn't go. Why? Do you know how hard it was to ask my father? I don't need your father's help. I can help myself. I don't need anyone's sympathy. Ming, it's been six months. You can't just mope around at house every day. You need to go out. Go out of this house, go and talk to your friends. Okay? You can't just waste your life at home. What friends? What friends want to speak to jobless losers like me? Is it wrong to stay in my own house? I have a burden to you. Nobody lives like you. And you don't even sleep anymore? Think about what Samantha will think of her daddy. Why do you do this to me? Hmm? I've tried to do everything myself. But I need you to wake up and snap out of it. I know I'm a bad father. Please, Ming! You, you need to pull yourself together and help yourself. Nobody can help you. I can't help you. This is not fair to Samantha. Or me. Or even yourself. Be a man. Pick yourself up. Don't worry. You can always try again. You only need one job. 
don't think I can take another rejection. Guess what? I got another three tuition students. Stories like this sometimes can end up with a situation that is fatal. Every day, one or two Singaporeans commit suicide. Every day. Depression is real. It happens. It's true. How do we end uh, today's meeting? I want to bring us to this point where I believe that God allows us opportunities to be with our people that needs a word that is not just in season, but a word that brings hope, a word that brings courage, a word that helps them to remember that God is still present, that despite the gloom, there's always a light at the end of time. This person does not need to walk alone. Let me pray for us. Father, I want to pray for us. I just pray for some of us who have gone through depression before. I'm speaking to some of you here who may be still experiencing depression. And for you to know that like Elijah, don't have to look at the condition and the situation with your human eyes. But that God will give to, uh, give to you eyes of faith to know that He is present. To know that He is the one who will give you hope. He will walk with you step by step, moment by moment. 
all you need to do is to know, to remember. I pray for some of us who are friends in those areas, friends that God has brought into uh, your lives. How do you help them? How do you speak to them? Sometimes we don't have the right vocabulary. Sometimes we don't even know how to open a conversation, let alone how to finish the conversation. I pray for you, whom God has given to you, those friends or brought into your awareness that these are people who need someone to journey with, someone who will be a mentor, someone who will bring comfort, someone who will be the messenger of the gospel. the bearer of good news. I pray for you that God will give to you courage, boldness to take the step forward. God will equip, God will enable so that you can glorify God. So that in process you experience what it means to walk like Christ. At the end of this service, I want to encourage us to maybe come forward. Come forward. Pray with one another. Remind us that God is with us. The story of Elijah <clears throat> and with God um, revealing Himself to Elijah. Not in the earthquake, not in big wings, but in the stand, uh, gentle voice. God reminded Elijah that all the while, he is with him, with him, and God assured him that he is in control, that he can look up to him. And today we're going to look up to this God, God who can lift us up. That our hope in God, we need not uh, be disappointed. God will not disappoint those who hope in Him. So, if you have friends or yourself going through dark times, take courage, take hope that the God of Elijah who fed him who was with Him is a God who is with us today, this afternoon. Can we rise as we end with this song? If you need someone to pray with, please feel free to come forward. We will pray with you during the song or after the song. But let us lift our hearts, our minds back to our God. God will lift us out of ashes.
Yes, indeed, He who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Lord, we want to give you thanks and praise. Today, help us to realize that our help comes from you and you alone. That you are God that is trustworthy. You are our maker. You watch over us. You will not let our foot slip. And today, I pray that, Lord, you will help us. Those of us today who, who are in gloom, Father, today as they look to you, may you reveal yourself to them. May you assure them, assure them with your still small voice that you are with them. Give them perspective about who you are, about how things are still under your control. And I pray also that God, you will use us also as instruments to walk with people who so-called journey in this time of darkness, that we can be a friend to with them, to walk with them, to provide that company, that hope. And we thank you, Father, for meeting with us. We praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.